Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want to, uh, I want to share a message tonight, um, and I want to encourage you, if you are not here this morning, if you, uh, if you can get, get the podcast on, uh, on iTunes, the free podcast that we have, but grab that message. I feel like it was something that God really gave me uh, for us as a church. But I want to, hear, I want to uh, preach something different than what I did this morning. Um, but I want to begin by, uh, normally I, I share scripture and I'm going to get to scripture, but I want to share a story um, for you and I want to preach from this story. It's, it's really summarizing um, really the story of, of Christopher Columbus and there's something in this, I was reading it this week just, just at random and it spoke to my heart because um, there's so much out of this that we can grab. But real quickly, I just want to read a couple of things. They, talked to, they referred to him as the fearless admiral. In his early years, Christopher began to study sailing. He studied maps, ships and other significant facts about the ocean. The more he studied... His desire grew for the unknown. Now that he was ready to sail, he needed a ship and money. It was very hard for Christopher to convince other people to believe in his dream. No one believed that there were other lands beyond Europe or that there were riches in those lands. Columbus said, Who can doubt that this fire was not merely mine, but also the Holy Spirit who encouraged me with the radiance of marvellous illumination from his sacred scriptures, urging me to press forward. It was not easy, but Christopher finally convinced Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand to fund his voyage of discovery. It was difficult to find crew to run the ships because men feared the dark unknown seas. There may be many things we don't know about his history, that about history's famous Mariner, we don't know exactly what Columbus looked like. We don't know the precise design of his three ships. And most bizarre of all, we don't know, we'll probably never know the spot that he came ashore. But we know beyond doubt that Columbus sailed in part to fulfill a quest. He was so strict in matters of religion that for fasting and saying prayers, he might have been taken for a member of religious order. Whenever he faced a storm or a rebellious crewman, he made vows to God. His faith was always his first refuge in adversary. Columbus concluded the log of his first voyage with one simple desire. I hope in our Lord that it, the recent voyage, will be the greatest honour to Christianity that unexpectedly has ever come about. It was in the morning on this day in 1492 that Columbus stepped from his command post onto the Santa Maria into a tiny boat a few yards off the shore. He plunged into the shallow water and went ashore on a tiny boat, wept tears of joy, lifted his head toward heaven and cried out in thanksgiving to God, blessed be the light of day and the Holy Cross, we say. Columbus had great moral and physical courage. Again and again, he faced mutinous sailors, armed rebels and frightful storms. Columbus's voyages to America ranked among history's most important events. It led to lasting contacts between Europe and America and opened new windows. To few men in modern history does the world as we know it owe so great a debt as to Christopher Columbus. What um, struck me as I was just reading about it and, and reading the history, I know so many of you, this was what you studied in school, but as a, you know, as a foreigner to this country myself, it's, it, it's so intriguing to hear these stories. And 
What, I, what really grabbed my heart as I read these stories is what the, the heart that, that Christopher Columbus had and the, the desire he had to explore the unknown and to step out into new things. And there's something within this of a message for us as Christians or, or perhaps you're not a Christian here and, and you came to visit or perhaps you re- attend regularly and you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself to be a believer. But you need to understand that you were created to encounter new things. That when Jesus left the great commission that Jesus left with the disciples in the book, at the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus said to them, all authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. And then He said this to them, therefore, go. Jesus didn't say to them, all authority is given unto me, stay where you are and remain in what you know until I come back. There is a mantle upon us as Christians to step out and to explore new ground and to take new territory. And guess what? Once you've taken the new territory, there's the call again to step out once again and take more ground and greater territory in your life. There's a spirit, I like to call it the spirit of the explorer, that each one of us in our walk with God, that we have to grab a hold of, that there is a vision that is set out before us as individuals and as a church that is calling us to continue to step out into the unknown and to continue to take new ground. What I love about the start of this story that I was reading is it talks about, and it goes on in more detail, I didn't share all that much of it just now, but in more detail it talks about how Christopher Columbus, before he even sailed, before he even began to explore, it says that he would read and he would study about the oceans. He would study Boats. He would study sailing. He would learn about the winds. He would learn about the tides. He would learn about the currents and, and how things work. This was before he even began to explore. And the more he studied these things, the greater his heart grew to step out into the unknown. This is how our life needs to be. This is what needs to happen in our heart when we read the Word of God. When we begin looking at the Word of God, there's got to be a stirring. When you read the stories of Jesus and the miracles that He walked in and what He carried and the power that was upon Him, something has got to stir within our heart as Christians that takes us to this place of desiring a greater level of God's anointing and a greater, a greater level of the power of God working in and through our lives. That the more we read The Bible, we've got to have this hunger within us that says, man, there's got to be more. I know God is calling me to a greater level of revelation. That's something that drives me and stirs me. And with all of the messages we preach and all of the things we talk about, the more I read the Word of God, the greater that stirring in my heart is as I look deeper into the Word of God and begin to unwrap it within my heart. There is a desire that says, God, I want more. 
I want more. I want to know more of you. I want you to speak deeper things into my heart. I want to know what it is to carry that type of anointing. I want to know what it is to walk so much so with the love of Jesus Christ that people are attracted to it. I want to know what it is to carry the touch of God upon me in such a way, Lord, that that ushers people into His presence, that releases the supernatural. I want to know what it is to get vision from God that's beyond the natural. I want to know what it is to look out across people and get downloads that come only from heaven. I want to know what it is to get the deep, the deep, the deep things of the, of the, of the, of the kingdom of God and, and get revelation of these things in my life. It's that, it's that desire. The, it's the spirit of the explorer. It says that Columbus, it says that he, he, he couldn't, it was actually difficult. You can go and, and study it later, but it says he, he couldn't actually gather, it was difficult to gather a crew. It was difficult to gather men that were crazy enough. Because at that point, everyone believed that the world was flat. This was a daredevil mission. It was difficult for him to, to gather people that were crazy enough, that, that, had, that had enough of this explorer spirit, that they would link arms with him and say, we're going to do this, we're, we're going to venture out with you into the unknown. We don't know what it's going to do. We may die in the process, but if we die, we're going to die trying and we're not just going to stay in what's safe. We're going to step out into the unknown and grab a hold of what God could be calling us to. There's something within this that's a message that I believe for us as Christians that we have to grab a hold of. An explorer is different to a settler. When I talk of settling and I talk of exploring, the explorer is the one that steps out into the new ground and the new territory. The settler is the one that comes in after and plants. When I talk of settling, I'm talking about settling in the valley of common, staying in the plains of the regular, setting up camp in the place of the medium or the place of the comfortable. Tonight, church, I'm, I want to stir your heart. Would you embrace the spirit of the explorer and not the spirit of the settler? Would you understand and get within your heart that God has not called us to settle. God has not called us to stay. While in our life at times there may be seasons where we do settle. I'm not talking about living an erratic, unstable, unsettled life. There are seasons in Joshua 3.1, before they stepped out across the Jordan, Joshua said that the people in 3.1, he said, lodge here. In other words, settle here for a moment because tomorrow we're going to cross. It was settling. It was not settling for the long term. It was settling for a moment. It was a season of settling to prepare for the new ground that God was calling them to. Have seasons of settling, but a lifestyle of exploration. Have moments where you settle for a moment just to gather things together, to, to gather your thoughts, to build some stability. But then on that platform of stability, would you have a spirit of an explorer that would launch off that into the new great things that God is calling you to? It's a spirit of the explorer. 
We're not called to settle. We're not called to stay. We're not called to become stagnant. Be careful that your walk with God doesn't become so comfortable and so easy and so routine that it becomes stagnant. Before the enemy tries to get you on the wrong track, he'll tempt you to become stagnant on the track that you're on. You've heard it said that idle hands are the devil's work. When we get, when we settle, when we get comfortable, that's where the enemy can come in. That's where boredom can set in. And when boredom sets in, the temptation to get on the wrong track can be even greater. Columbus had a brother, Columbus's brother at the start. He would, he would travel with him as they would set out. But then along the journey, his brother, his brother didn't want to. He didn't have that spirit of the explorer. It got too much for his brother, his brother Bartholomew. In fact, what happened, his brother ended up stopping at one of the islands and said, you know what, you go on and, and explore, but I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to stay here. This is too much. This is just too heavy. You do your thing. I'm going to stay here. Columbus went later on to where his brother had begun a new settlement when Columbus arrived at the new settlement at the end of August 1498. However, he found not a city at work, but a country at war. Many of the settlers upset about the lack of opportunity and unwilling to put the effort into building a long-lasting colony were rebelling. Despite these measures, however, conditions in the colony continued to deteriorate over the next several months. In great anguish over his inability to bring peace to the island, Columbus requested that the Spanish king and queen send a judge to the island to deal with the situation. Something happens when we, when we settle. There's something of the enemy can come in and can cause us to get so tempted that we can fall into temptation so easily when we get comfortable and when we settle. Because when we settle, we drop our guard. We've got to understand, as the Bible says, you wrestle not against principalities and powers, but against, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That there is a battle and there is a war. And I want to tell you, you're harder to hit when you're moving. But when you make a decision that you're going to stop, that you're going to settle, that you're going to let your, your guard down, you better know that trouble is coming. But when you have the heart of an explorer, that the moment you settle, you use that moment of settling to launch you into new ground and new territory with your guard up. You are harder to take out the enemy. It's harder for the enemy to grab you. We cannot settle as a church. We cannot stay where we are with the amazing things that God is doing. We're, we're, moment, we're days away, if not maybe a week away at, at most from completely finishing all the construction. The building looks amazing. Haven't they got, they've done an amazing job outside. It's awesome. Inside here, it's awesome. It's exciting. But I want to tell you, as great as everything is, we're not staying here. I want to tell you the building, it looks awesome, man. Isn't it great? But you know what I said to my wife? I think it drives my wife crazy sometimes because the moment I look at this building and she doesn't look great, I said, that looks awesome. I said, this would be awesome to be, have all of our church offices in this whole building here. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I'm thinking we could build a massive 3,000-seater sanctuary somewhere else and this room could be the youth room. Come on, teenage, this could be, this could be where the teenagers have youth. 
and we could build a sanctuary. See, it's it's the spirit of an explorer that says, this is awesome and this is great. But the moment you get comfortable, you're ready to step into something greater and something new. We cannot settle. Too many people settle. People that get comfortable with church, they like church the way it used to be. They like church, listen, nice. They say, Pastor, don't get too excited. Don't, don't get, don't, don't update things too much. We like, we like it, we like it more traditional. And hear me, I'm not having a go at tradition, but I'm saying don't get so comfortable with how things used to be that you miss what God is calling us to step into. I believe that God is calling us as a church. I believe the church needs to be taking new ground and new territory constantly. For too long, I think the church takes a back seat to the world when it comes to areas and spheres of creativity and stepping out and trying new things and new designs. And people come and say, well, why is the stage, why is it also, why is all these screens are a bit bright or the lights are a bit flashy? I say, isn't it awesome? People say, well, it's sort of, you know, I mean, it's a bit, it's meant to be church. But listen, hear my heart. I believe that, I believe that a day is coming when the lost people and people in the world are going to come in the church. And the same way the Queen of Sheba, when she came and saw the temple, she was amazed by how things operated. She was amazed at the lobbies, at the lights, at the way it was. But listen, the only way we're going to do that if we make a decision to say, you know what? We're not staying here. This is awesome, but we're going to do it better. We're going to go for new ideas, new creativity. And I want to encourage you, have some, be someone, businessman, businesswoman, don't settle. Don't, don't stay where you are. Get that spirit of the explorer. Get something in your heart that says, listen, we can grow this. We can make this bigger. We can use this to advance the kingdom even more. It's the heart of the explorer. He had this in his heart. He couldn't shake it. Despite challenges and despite things that they would continually face because he had the heart of the explorer, he continued to press on to new ground and new frontiers. Explorers don't go back. They only know the way forward. Columbus began the journey with many men. Not all of those men made it to the end. Some of them opted to go back. Some of them opted to turn us. Some of them, when things got difficult and things got hard, they opted, they took the option to go back instead of forward. You know the story of Lot in the Bible in Genesis 19 verse 17. God spoke to them and God said, so it came to pass when he brought them outside. He said to them, escape. He said, do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. God said to them, I'm calling you out of where you are. I'm calling you into something new. And he said, don't stay where you are and don't look back. But the story said that Lot, she turned. It said his wife turned and and she looked back. The Bible says that she became a pillar of salt. The word look means to regard with pleasure. Moment you start looking back at your past with pleasure, wondering, thinking, reminiscing about 
the things of your past, allowing your mind to wander back to the things that you used to do. You've got to cut off the past in order to step into the future. You've got to cut off those things that are tying you to your past because it will hold you back when it comes to you stepping into new ground and new territory for your life. You remember the story of the Israelites. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were in Egypt in bondage and in slavery, the Bible said. And they came out of Egypt. They were delivered from Egypt. Moses brought them out and they began that journey through the wilderness. And the Bible says that when they came to the bottom of the mountain, remember when Moses got called up the mountain to have the encounter with God. And the Bible says that when Moses went up the mountain and Moses is having this encounter with God, the children of Israel are down the bottom of the mountain. As time began to go on, Moses is still up the mountain. The children of Israel, they start to get distracted. They start to get disorientated. They start to get to this place where they they don't know what's happening. They're talking to each other saying, well, where is this Moses dude? Like, what's going on? Is he coming back? Like, what are we doing? We're just hanging out here. Like, what are we meant to do? And, And the Bible says that Aaron, he didn't know what to do, so he, he, he allowed them to build a golden calf. You know the story, and they built the golden calf, and they started to worship the golden calf. If you study it, it says that they went and they went and gathered all of their earrings and their rings, their gold earrings and their gold rings. And they brought these earrings and rings, and they, and they lit them, and they burnt them, melted them down, and they used that to form the golden calf. If you look at it, you'd see that those earrings and rings, they've been brought with them from Egypt. Those earrings and rings were a sign. These were a, these were a way of, of identifying themselves as slaves back in Egypt. You would wear an earring or a particular ring to identify yourself as being linked to a particular master as a slave back in Egypt. But this is my question. If they've been delivered from Egypt... Why do they still have the earrings and the rings of their past? They had not cut off completely from their past. So the moment there was this in-between time, the moment there was this waiting time, the moment things got difficult, guess what? Their past came knocking and they ended up forming a golden staff statue based on things that they had from their past. I want to tell you, if you want to step into what God has for your future, you've got to cut your past off once and for all. If God told you to break up with them, young people, get rid of the number from your cell phone. Because when you try and step into what God's calling you to, you constantly get pulled back to your past. It's the spirit of the explorer makes that decision to say, I'm not going back. I'm moving on forward. Sometimes the temptation to go back can be even greater when back was a good thing. I'm talking about, I was talking about back as being a bad thing, back as being your, your sinful past, back as being like Egypt was to the children of Israel. But that's one temptation. But what about the temptation to go back to the good old days? 
We talk a lot about that in church and, and hear my heart, I'm not trying to discredit people that have gone before us that have done amazing things, people that amazing things in church and have taken new ground and have taken new territory and because of them we can stand on their shoulders. But understand that too often I think in church we reminisce and talk about the way things used to be about the good old days, about the anointing of the, of the old school anointing and the old school songs and the old school touch of God. Listen, church, I think God is calling us to a place where we don't worry so much about the good old days and we start talking about the great new days that God has in front of us. Yes, that was good, but God's calling us to great. It's time for us to get that spirit of the explorer. This is we're stepping into the great things that God has for us. What's the next thing God's calling you to? Are you someone that's settled? Have you gotten comfortable? Have you gotten in that place where things have, in your walk with God have begun to get stagnant, begin to, got, to get easy? Good becomes bad if God called you to leave it. The other thing about an explorer is explorers, they're attracted to the unknown. There's a constant call that goes out from heaven asking for a people to raise up that are, that are unafraid to explore the unknown. If you want to build a ship, he said, don't ask people to collect wood. Teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Spirit of the explorer is not intimidated by the unknown, not intimidated by what they cannot see. They say that in the latter years of his life, that Columbus, because of the, the being out at sea for so long, and the sun and the reflection of the water, they say the sun actually burned the retina in his eyes and he lost his eyesight. They say that his, his, the damage to his eyes actually got so bad that his eyes were known to continually bleed. But they talked about it like this. I was studying it and it said in the latter years as he lost his eyesight, it was said of him that he was known to, they would describe it like this, that he was known to feel his way across the ocean. That he was, he had so much of that spirit of the explorer they said he would get a sense that land was near. And sure enough, time after time, he was right. Someone that was not going to be held back by what he couldn't see in the natural. But in the middle of darkness in the natural, there was a voice, there was something in his heart that was stirring in his heart that would pull upon his heart to say, there's more coming. There's a greater thing I'm pulling you to. There's a greater thing that I'm drawing you to. And I like to think of that as the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. That won't allow us to stay where we are. That voice of the Holy Spirit that will continually stir you to say, come on, man, it's time. Come on, young person. I know you've had some moments with God that have been awesome. I know camp was amazing. I know God has done great things, but I feel God saying to some young people, come on, it's time for you to go again and believe God again. Don't stay where you are. Don't 
stay in the comfort of where you are. Be someone that step outside, regardless of what your friends are doing, regardless of people around you. Feel what God is saying and respond to the call of God in your life. I think of the story of blind Bartimaeus. The story of blind Bartimaeus, he was someone that responded to the call of God when in the natural couldn't see. The story says of blind Bartimaeus that he was a blind guy. It says that he's sitting, he's sitting by the roadside begging. They talk about him as a Bible. He has the title. He's known as blind Bartimaeus. He's been given a, a, a beggar's garment. He's wearing the beggar's garment and the story says that Jesus is walking by the roadside and it says as he heard when blind Bartimaeus heard the call that Jesus was coming. It was something that grabbed a hold of him. He was a blind dude. He was That's what he did, sat by the road, but then something happened. He heard the call that Jesus was coming and he knew that Jesus meant an opportunity. There was about to be an opportunity for him to step out of where he was into something new. And the Bible says that when he heard Jesus, this dude starts to shout. People tell him to shut up. They tell him to be quiet. There's something when you're surrounded by people that just want to settle, there's something about an explorer that will antagonise a settler. You, you, if you're an explorer and you get around people that just want to settle, you'll drive them insane. You'll drive them crazy. They'll tell you, shut up, stop talking. I just want to relax. Can't we just stay where we are? When you listen, when you're an explorer... Man, you should talk to my wife when we go on vacation. We'll be chilling, trying to enjoy a moment and I'll get on my phone and start looking at things and start planning things and start thinking things. And every place we go, every if you go into a, we'll go to a concert or something and there'll be a cool band playing. And all I'm thinking of is imagine if we did church in here. I know this is crazy and things are going, but every building I see, I, th- I would think, imagine our building. What, what if we could get that? And every time I see a block of land, I'd say, I wonder how much that block of land is. Problem is, I keep looking at blocks of land that are about $100 million. So if you want to give some more, give some more and we'll go buy it. But there's something I said to, I said to Cressa, we drove past a block the other way, other day. I said, what about that block? She said, Ben, that must be 100 acres. I said, I know, isn't it awesome? Come on, I need some explorers that'll get on board and say, man, we could do something. We could step out and create something. We could build something. We could change a city. Jesus has not put us here to settle. But, but, but Bartimaeus, he gets this in his heart. He gets in his heart. God's calling us to something. He's calling us to something, calling me to something new. And so he starts to shout, they tell him to be quiet. And then the story says that Jesus, when Jesus heard his shout, the Bible says that Jesus sent the disciples. He said to the disciples, go and get, go and get that dude. There's a lot of noise around Jesus. There's a lot of commotion. Jesus had a crowd of people around him, but there was something about the shout of an explorer that grabbed the attention of Jesus. And Jesus said, go and, go and get me that dude. I, I want to I talk to the explorer. So, so the disciples go up to blind Bartimaeus and they say, bro, get up. The, 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 Jesus is calling you. And the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus gets up and it says he throws his cloak down and he starts walking to Jesus. 
The fact that Jesus had to send the disciples to where blind Bartimaeus was would suggest that blind Bartimaeus is not right beside Jesus. In other words, blind Bartimaeus has to stand up, throws off his cloak and steps. He cannot, he has not been healed at this point. He didn't get healed until he got to Jesus. So he starts making the journey, a blind guy, through a crowd and cannot see a thing. There's something about stepping out in the faith of today that will unlock your miracle for tomorrow. When you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm stepping out now. You set yourself up. You're stepping out now. I'll set you up for your miracle later. And, and, and blind Bartimaeus, he starts making his way through the, gra- through the crowd. The blind, the blind explorer, blind guy, being called by God, being called by Jesus to step out and believe for more. And here he is making his way through the crowd. Something of faith is required if you want to be someone that steps out into what God is calling you to. Blind Bartimaeus, the thing that happened in that story was that the Bible says he threw off that cloak. The, the interesting thing about that cloak is that cloak was not just a regular cloak. The cloak that they're talking about in the story, it was a cloak that was, it was actually given. If you study it, it was given, issued by the government. It was a government issued cloak. It was they would give it to a beggar as a sign to say that this cloak he's wearing is a government official, official cloak to legitimately identify this guy as a legitimate beggar. In other words, this dude's not faking. You know those cats that come up to you in the street and ask you for five bucks and you look down he's wearing $200 sneakers? You know what I'm talking about? He's like, bro, do you have a dollar? I'm looking down saying, bro, your shoes are like 250 bucks. You're asking me for a dollar? Not legitimate. This guy is a different, he's a legitimate beggar, which means he's got a reason. He's got a legitimate reason to stay by the roadside. What's one of the biggest things that will hold you back in stepping into what God is calling you to is when you have a legitimate excuse to stay where you are. When someone legitimately hurt you and you've got a reason to be bitter. When that divorce you went through, it was legitimately heartbreaking. What that person did to you, it was just straight unfair. You got a reason. You've got in the natural, you've got a reason. Every reason you were hurt, you were abused. And hear my heart, church, tonight I'm not trying to downplay what people perhaps in here have gone through. But understand this, even though you may have a reason to stay where you are, if you embrace that reason and embrace that excuse, it will stop you from stepping into what God is calling you to. You've got to make that decision. Our kids can come, I'm going to wrap. You can make that decision to do exactly what blind Bartimaeus did. The Bible says that he threw that cloak aside. This was, this was such a statement of faith. When he threw that, I love that wording, how it says, it doesn't say that he politely 
took it off and folded it up and carried, carried it with him. It was a statement of faith as if to say, I'm not going to need this where I'm going. Because where I'm going, I'm getting a miracle. I'm getting a breakthrough where I'm going. And I'm not going back to what, what I was doing before. It was, a, it was quite wasteful to say, you know what, forget this thing. That's, that's my past. I know I'm not healed yet, but I know I'm about to get a healing and I'm not going back there. The thing about the cloak as well is they say a beggar would wear a cloak for the same reason as well. Not only did it identify them as a beggar, excuse me, but it would, they would wear a cloak the same reason we nowadays would wear a coat for warmth, to protect you from the sun. See, there's something, whatever it is that might be holding you back, there is an element of comfort there because we can get so used to our excuses. We brand ourselves. We, we, we say, I'm, I'm the person that grew up in the rough home that had no money. That's, that's who I am. I'm the person that went through the divorce. We, we create this brand over our life and we brand ourselves with that excuse and that actually becomes our security. And even though we want something more, even though we actually do want the breakthrough, we would rather stay in this place of comfort now just because this is what we're used to. I want to shake this addiction, but the addiction that I have that I hate gives me an element of comfort. So instead of stepping out into the unknown, I'm just going to stay where I am because this is just what I'm used to. You'll stop and hold back what God wants to do in your life and what God is calling you to. It's the spirit, it's the spirit of the explorer. And I believe for us as a church, I felt like God told me to share this message at the 4 and 6 p.m. today. Because this is the last 4 and 6 p.m. service we're going to have. For this season, maybe later on, God, you know, we'll do something else. But for this season, God's calling us to. As of next week. We feel as a church, God's told us to combine this four and six to do one 5 p.m. service where we have no time restraints. I mean, we're gonna, this place is going to be packed out and we're going to be overflowing, but we've got no time restraints. We've got no restrictions. We're going to go for God and just see what God wants to do. We're going to party and we're, gonna, we're just going to love Jesus. And this place, I'm telling you, next week, this place is going to blow up and you need to come earlier. You'll be sitting on the floor. I'm sorry. Unless you want to give more and we'll buy a bigger building, but that's another sermon. But I'm telling you, I feel like God is, feel like this is a word for us for the four and six to say, will you come with us to something new? Will you come? What does that look like? Will you come next week and you come with that five o'clock service next week? Will you come with that heart of expectation? that says, man, I'm not coming to just watch a service next week. I'm, coming, I'm someone that's linking arms to take some new ground and take some new territory. Because I want to tell you, the moment we do next week, and place is going to blow up and it's going to be crazy. The 9.30 and 11.30, we, we, we packing this place out. I don't know what we're going to do, how many more pillars and walls we can break out of here, but 
what I'm saying is next week, in a few weeks' time, next week's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But then you know what? We're going to be talking about the next thing because that's what explorers do. Explorers never settle. We keep talking and keep going for the next thing that God has for us. What's God? What is God calling you to? People here, it's time for you to take another step. Some of you are settled. Some of you, the Lord is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is stirring your heart to start believing for more. I'm not talking about starting to get all crazy. I'm just talking about taking that one step further, that one step closer. I remember when God, I remember when when God spoke to me and I first encountered Jesus and I was living away from God and living crazy and I encountered the Lord. I got my heart, my heart right with God and got forgiveness for everything that I was messing up in. I encountered Jesus and I got saved and it was awesome. But the moment I got saved and I was there and I was in church and I was like, man, I, I'm back in church. I got saved. I received Jesus. The moment that happened, I felt like God just stirring my heart and pulling me saying, don't just stay here. Don't just be saved. Now I want you to start getting discipled. I want you to start serving in the church. And I was like, man, I, I, I felt I responded to the call. I remember we're going up and I talked to one of the ushers and I said, can I be an usher? I didn't think they were going to let me. But then they said, sure. They gave me a T-shirt. I thought, bro, I've made it. Had this little T-shirt, had the name of the church on it and stuff. I put it on in the morning, look at myself in the mirror. I was like, yeah, this is it. Come to church, man, I was so pumped. I was like, man, I'm on the ushering team. I'm telling people what to do and all this stuff. I didn't know what was going on. But I was just stoked because weeks earlier, I felt like I'd gone too far away from God that I could never come back and He would never accept me. Now, not only did He accept me and love me, now He allowed me to serve in His house. I was like, man, this is cool. Then, then they asked me to join one of the, the uh, like safe security teams. They gave me a headset. I thought, oh, dear Jesus, I've really made it now. I put this little headset on. I thought I was, you would have thought I was protecting the president. I was walking around the lobby. I'm calling in code reds and code blues. I'm making up things that don't even exist. I'm telling dudes on the other headset, we've got a code blue in the lobby. Everyone's like, what the heck's a code blue? I'm like, just shut up and come. I don't know. I'm just making up things. Man, I had so much fun. I was just so pumped. I couldn't believe it. But then the moment I start serving, I get involved and God, God starts serving my heart. God starts speaking in my heart about serving more. And He says, I want you to get involved with the, with the teenagers, with the young people, start helping out in the youth group. So I talked to the youth pastor and I said, man, I want to help out. How can I help out? And he said, let's start. We want to start doing some things in schools and reaching out to high schools and public schools and working with the welfare teams. And they said, we're not allowed to preach, but we're just going to go in the school, in the, in the school and serve the school. So I thought, man, I can start doing things for God out in schools and seeing serving kids and serving the community. So I started doing that. And then the moment I started doing that, just when I feel like I got my head around what I was doing and got a little bit comfortable, I felt like God speak to me again. And He said, it was like that, that Spirit grabbed a hold of me and said, I want you to start believing that we wouldn't just be serving the school, that we would start seeing kids get saved. 
And God stirred my heart, so I started praying for that. And I would go to schools at night time and walk around and pray over that school and pray for open doors. And then God started giving us open doors and, and, and God started giving me favour like crazy. I'm walking into principal school principal offices. Prior to that, I, was, I would freak out going to the principal's office. That was a bad thing when I was in school. Man, I was about to get kicked out of the school. This time I'm going in there because I'm carrying Jesus into the school. And, and then God starts stirring my heart. And then, man, we start seeing kids coming. We start seeing teenagers coming. First by the car full. Then by the van full. Then by the bus full. Then by multiple, multiple buses. And then... I never forget the first time that we had, you know, I mean, we, we made some, first time we had a few buses pulling up out the front of the church because teenagers were coming to the youth group. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And I'm standing out there and seeing these buses come down and God speaks to my heart again. And God says, believe again. I'm like, man, what are we believing for now? Let's go for it. Let's do it again. God said, more buses. He said, more kids. He said, more souls. Man, we start, I got a big map. I got one down there now with Orange County on it. God spoke to my heart. I got a big map of, of the city and I started putting marks where all the teenagers lived and I started putting marks where the schools were and I started putting mapping bus routes and bus stops to how we were going to do it and setting up a strategy. God spoke to me about a month ago. You can go down the office right now. I got off the, 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 our database 10,000 names, just under 10,000 names of people that have been in our church. I got your addresses. Promise you I'm not stalking you. Don't freak. And I went through all 10,000 names individually. Took me a long, long time. My wife was away, so I had more time than normal. And I got a little Sharpie and I put a mark on the map of where every person lives. Now you go down and you look at Orange County, I can see where everyone lives because we start to strategize. How are we going to care for these people? Where are we going to set up small groups? Where can we do campuses? It's the dreamer, it's the explorer that starts saying, Ben, don't just stay in Irvine. Let's start to strategize. Let's start to plan. Let's start to step out. Let's start to take new ground, take new territory for the Kingdom of God. Church, I'm telling you, God is calling you to start to believe again and step out again. It's new ground and new territory. When we had the buses coming, bus one became two, two became three, three we got up. We had 13 buses every Friday night, busing from all over the city. The police came, were driving past and they saw all these hundreds of teenagers pouring off buses. I got a call from the police. I freaked out again. I thought, oh no, dear Jesus. They said, can you come down? We want to talk to you. I thought I missed paying a fine or something, you know. I thought, oh, gee. I went down to the head of thing and we sat down in that meeting and the police said to me, the head of police for the city, is this a big deal? It's a city of 6 million people, Melbourne. The head of police sat and they said, how can we help you do what you do? Because we're seeing what's happening with all these teenagers and we as a, as a police force want to get behind what you're doing. I thought, man, this is favour. Thank you, Jesus. So I said to him, well, I, got, I need money. Do you have money? Give me money and we'll do it bigger. I walk out of that meeting, I thought, man, this is awesome. And then God said, believe for more. 
go again, step out again, new ground, new territory. And I started seeing it. I started seeing thousands of teenagers. I never forget the night God spoke to me months, years earlier, it would have been about seeing thousands and thousands of teenagers come together. And, and then we had a night that we called back then Youth Alive. And I remember Cressa, my wife was there at that time. And I remember standing there in this arena. As I looked around, we had 6,000 teenagers all gathered. We saw over 1,000 decisions for Jesus Christ that night. And God spoke to my heart and said, if you would continue to believe again and continue to step out, I'll give you favour. I say all that to say the moment it got comfortable. Man, we had a blowing up. We had teams. I had leaders. We had buses going all over the city. We got teenagers coming from everywhere. God speaks to me and says, believe again. And I said, God, what's, what's next? What's the new ground, new territory? And God speaks to me and He says, Orange County, California. And here we are responding to the call of God. And you know what? Now that we're here, I'm asking God, what's next? What are we going to do here? What ground are we taking? Church, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know what's going on. But I'm telling you, I know that God is speaking, saying it's time to go again. Right across this room, I want us to stand to our feet. I'm going to close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.